We just want to be told the truth. We started with that last week as we began the series and, and talked about the fact that in relationships and in business and family and work and in church and school, we want people to tell us the truth. In fact, that's what our trust is based on, right? If someone is not telling us the truth, if we don't believe that they are speaking truth to us, then it's hard to maintain a healthy relationship with that person. So we want to be told the truth. But we know that as we experience this in our culture, truth can be a slippery sort of thing because we have all sorts of versions of what the truth really is. And the question is, how do we identify what the truth is? How do we know that? How do we know what truth really is? And that's the question I want us to deal with this week as we continue in the series, Tell Me the Truth. We're going to finish this up next week and, and continue in this topic because truth is such an important issue in our culture. It's tossed around all the time. In fact, we can just watch the news probably for one day, one newscast, and hear the questions of truth raised. Who is telling the truth? We hear in our culture lots of words associated with this. We hear people say, my truth, or the truth for me, right? Or your truth, the truth for you. It's what you see is true. And we have this idea that somehow there's these multiple sets of truth and that I get to choose my truth and you choose your truth. Well, the problem is, well, we see that and then they come into conflict. And what do we say? Well, well, I've got the truth and you don't. I've got the truth and what you have is a lie. And we see that it works certainly in our political landscape where you're supposed to believe what this person says or this person says and the other person is lying or the media is lying or somebody's lying because I've got truth and you don't. It has to do with this. We look at truth in a couple different ways. One of them is this. There's absolute truth. There is truth out there. If we look hard enough, then we will find the truth. There's a set of facts out there. We think about it this way. There's absolute truth. There are truths that are observable. We can know them. We can ask a question about who won a ball game yesterday and look it up and it's an absolute truth. One team won and one team lost and we all identify it the same way. That's absolute truth. Things are true and things are false. They either happened or they didn't happen. They are observable facts and we might sort of say, what's the other view, right? Because isn't it just true? True and false? But you know, if we think about this, and we look at maybe younger generations, they look out and say, well, you know, I don't think about absolute truth. What I look out and see, well, well I understand truth in terms of relationship. And we might, might think, I don't understand that thinking. They're just wrong. Well, it is a different way of thinking. And we do struggle with it sometimes. But they look at people and say, this group or this <clears throat> group of people or this particular person they're reliable. What I see them saying is truth. And so I look at truth in terms of relationship. I look at truth, truth in terms of who is telling me this truth. And then I decide whether I'm going to believe it or not. It's all about relationship. 
Now, you might find yourself in one of those two camps, and the problem is those two camps don't always understand each other. They're almost at war with one another. There's absolute truth. No, there's not absolute truth. It's based in relationship. And, and we don't know how to talk to one another because we're coming at things at such very different ways. And that's a struggle. So how do we understand what truth is? How do we relate to one another? What is our approach to finding truth? How do we find truth? Man, this is a huge topic, and we don't have time to really give it everything it deserves today. But I want us to look at one sort of set of teachings from Jesus, just a few words that we find in John chapter 14, that I think <clears throat> can inform us and help us as the church and help us even understand each other as we search for truth. So we turn to John chapter 14 today. Jesus is in the Last Supper. He's gathered his disciples before him. This is the last major section of teaching that we hear from Jesus, that they heard from Jesus before he faces arrest, death, burial, and then resurrection. Okay? So what is Jesus saying here? Well, he's just told Peter, listen, before tomorrow morning, you're going to deny that you know me three times. Peter said, I'll go with you even to death. And Jesus says, no, you won't. You're going to deny that you even know me. And, and Peter is just sort of flabbergasted. He can't believe that Jesus has said this. Can't believe that Jesus would have predicted this. But then Jesus says this. Chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. That verse is notoriously difficult for translate, translators to try to figure out because it could go lots of different directions. Maybe best translated, believe in God, believe also in me. Sort of do both, okay? Why? Because God and Jesus, they're the same. And in fact, if you look through this whole teaching that lasts for several chapters, Jesus makes that point over and over again. You've got to believe in both. And that's basic to our understanding of who Jesus is and who God is. Jesus is the best picture of God that we've got. We can't find anything better or more or clearer. Jesus shows us who God is. If we want to know the truth about God, then we look at the truth about Jesus. Verse 2. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, what I've told you, then I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Now, what I find interesting in that couple verses is this. Jesus points to an absolute truth, right? In my Father's house are many places to live. Okay? Don't worry. Hey, Peter, I know you're concerned. My goal is not for you to be afraid. Disciples, I've told you that I'm going away and you're a little bit scared and you're going to need some hope. Here's your hope. In my father's house, there's a place for you. Okay, that's an absolute truth. Jesus is telling them that truth because they need it. They're going to need it. They're going to face, after he ascends into heaven, they're going to face persecution. They're going to face challenges to their faith. They're going to be thrown out of the synagogue. Some of them are going to be killed. And Jesus knows that in the face of all that, they need to know that there's something after, right? That makes sense. Makes good sense. 
Because if they're giving up a lot in this life, they need to know that Jesus has something in store for them for eternity. We need to know that as well because we face challenges in our lives. And sometimes it's not easy to follow Jesus. And in the face of that discomfort, in the face of even persecution, we need to know that in the end, there's something greater. Jesus tells them that. Absolute truth. But then what does he say? If it were not so... Would I have told you this? You see what Jesus does? He lays out a truth, and then he says, this is how you can know it's true, because I'm speaking it to you. This is how you can know it's true, because I have told you the truth. I have been a reliable source of knowledge. I have been a reliable source of truth for you for these three years. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't you know that I've told you the truth all the, way, all the way through? Have I ever lied to you, in other words? Do you have any reason to believe that if I tell you I'm going to prepare a place for you, that place is not going to be ready? In other words, Jesus lays out the absolute truth and then points to the relationship as one of the reasons that they can believe. That's powerful speaking into our culture where we are trying to understand truth. And then Jesus says, hey, um, you know the way where I'm going, right? Well, I think some of the disciples were going, Jesus, we don't know what you're talking about, okay? And in fact, one of them, Thomas, admits that. Now, sometimes Thomas gets bad press, right? Because Thomas is the one who says, I'm not sure if Jesus was really raised from the dead. I've got to see his hands where the nails were. I've got to see his feet. I've got to see his side where the spear went in to really be convinced that this is Jesus raised from the dead. And so we call him Doubting Thomas. But here he's, he's honest, Thomas. Because he says, Jesus, I, I don't know. How, how do we know the way? How can... We don't know where you're going, and we don't know how to get there, and, and we don't know what's next. How could we know any of that? And I love that, just that transparency and that willingness to say to a teacher, I don't get it. I need some help here. And then Jesus gives the help. In one of the key verses in the whole New Testament, certainly in the Gospel of John, we hear Jesus saying this in verse uh, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now let's hold there. What's that again? That is absolute truth, isn't it? If you want to know the way, Thomas, if you, if you don't know the way, if you don't know where I'm going, you don't know how to get there, and of course it's not just Thomas, it's them, and it's us. If you don't know the way, I'm the way. I'm the path, literally. The truth, absolute truth, and the life. Now, that's, that's right at the heart of this gospel. If you want to know the path to eternal life, and John wants us to know that, that's one of the things he paints for us is the path to eternal life, then you've got to look to Jesus. If you want to know the truth, another theme in the gospel of John, it's Jesus and the life. That's Jesus. Okay? If we want to know the absolute truth about the way, the, the truth, and the life, we look at Jesus. Then what does he do? Verse 7. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. 
From now on, you do know him and have seen him. How can they know and have seen God? Because they've seen him. So you see what Jesus does there? He says again, here's the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. How do you know it? Because I'm the one telling you this. And I have been and will be dependable for you as a source of truth. Jesus appeals to the absolute truth. And then he appeals to the relationship. The source of knowledge. The source of truth. That's a key for us again as we think about truth in our culture. And then we skip on down a little bit more. Because Jesus is talking about revealing God to them. And he says this in verse 10. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Okay? It's not just me. There's more to that. Rather, it is the work of the Father. It is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Again, Jesus points to the absolute truth. And then he points to the relationship. He points to the evidence. All the way through the Gospel of John, we have Jesus performing these signs, miracles. They begin with water being turned into wine at the wedding in Cana. And they end with Lazarus being raised from the dead. There are seven of them, a number of completion. And there's no accident that they go from water being turned to wine. Impressive, but not life-changing, right? And they end with Jesus healing people and and bringing people sight that had never seen before. And then Lazarus raised from the dead. Increasing difficulty and this sure sign at the end that Jesus has power that comes only from God. Jesus says, look at the evidence. The signs are pointing to something. It's not just that they are miracles. A sign points to something else, right? It points to another reality. It's not the reality itself. It points to something. And Jesus says these seven signs have pointed to a truth that you need to know. The evidence points to me as the way, the truth, the life. If you want to know God, you look to Jesus. And if we want to know what the truth is, then we look to this story that's been recorded for us by a man named John who was there, who saw it, who heard it. And we depend on the testimony that he has given us because he was an eyewitness to it all. And when he tells us these are the things that Jesus told them and then now to us, we know that because of Jesus, We can have eternal life, and because of Jesus, we can know who God is. Now, back to our culture. Paths to the truth. Some of us say there's absolute truth. There's a truth out there we can get. Some people say, I don't understand all that as clearly as I understand that when I hear a, a reliable source of truth, that's where I go. That's what I believe in. And here's Jesus. 2,000 years ago, before the United States of America was ever dreamed of, before our culture even thought about coming into existence, here's Jesus, comfortable with speaking about truth in more than one way to appeal to a people like us 2,000 years later. And that strikes me. 
That even though sometimes we are afraid of different approaches to the truth that we might have even in the same room, we don't understand each other. In some ways, we are offended by each other and our lack of ability to to look at different ways of viewing the same thing. Jesus was fully comfortable with all of it because he knew better. And he knew how we would have to approach the truth. And Jesus has known that not just about our culture. It's not just for us. It's for people for the last 2,000 years and for all people who will come between now and when Jesus returns. Jesus has this amazing ability to remain current and be able to speak truth into every single generation, regardless of their approach to how they understand truth. Because that's God at work. And God has been at work from the beginning to communicate the truth about himself to us. So, what do we learn from this? I might put it this way. The truth is there for us to find. The truth is there for us to find because Jesus has planted it. Jesus has made it grow. And all we've got to do is look for it. John gave it to us. He tells us everything that happened, everything that we needed to know about Jesus. The other Gospels give us a similar story. And we may come at truth from more than one direction as a group of people. And it may be that when we begin to talk about truth, some of us may be uncomfortable with other people and the way they're trying to find truth. But here's Jesus ready to talk about it. I think there's a great lesson for us there. We live in a culture where it would be really nice if we could assume that everyone came at truth from the same direction. It would be really nice if we could assume that if we're going to talk to someone about Jesus, they're going to come with the same assumptions about how we find truth. But guess what? They may not. And so that means we as Christians have to begin to understand how to explain truth in new and maybe even uncomfortable ways. But what we've got is this awesome story of Jesus that's a gift from God to us through the early disciples, the apostles, and their preaching so that we can use it to talk to people about the truths that we've been given by Jesus. And that's an amazing gift. It didn't seem to bother Jesus to come at this from more than one direction. And so maybe some of us come today and we say, man, I believe there's absolute truth and I believe that absolute truth begins with Scripture because this is the inspired Word of God. And that is awesome. And that is the truth. And we should celebrate that, that this gift comes from God. And there are people in the room who are saying, I don't know that I come at it from that direction, but but I begin to see that Jesus, the person, the Son of God... And there's things about him that I don't find anywhere else. He's unique. And he speaks truth in a way that I can understand and in a way that no one else does. So what do I do with this? i got to look at it. So regardless of how we're coming at this, I would encourage you, if you're exploring this, to examine the evidence. Here's the evidence. Here's the evidence. To really look at it and allow Jesus to speak into your life. And let me point to something we're going to begin in a few weeks. This is six weeks off, but I think it's a good time to let you know it's coming. 
I think it's easy for us as Christians at times to just sort of go along, right? I mean, we've been going to church for many years, and so we're going to keep coming to church. We like it. We like to hear about Christ. We like to hear about what God is doing, and that's all cool. But, but for some people in the room, my guess is a lot of people in the room, you've never really examined the evidence. And so I want us to give an opportunity to do that. Beginning of June and for two months, June and July, we're going to have what we're calling Christianity Explored. And we're going to focus in on the story of Jesus. It's going to come from the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to spend those weeks on Sunday morning exploring the story of Jesus. But we're also going to give you just a little pocket copy of the Gospel of Mark. And what I'd like for you to do during that time, we'll give those out at the beginning of June, is just keep reading through the Gospel of Mark. Maybe a couple times, maybe three times, maybe a bunch of times, depending on how you like to read. But to read through and, and actually allow that story to sink in. Maybe if you're honest, you've never really read a whole gospel. You know what? I guarantee you are not alone in this room if you've never done that. Because there are other people. So it's an opportunity for us as a community of faith to look at the gospel and actually allow the truth of Scripture to speak into us, to hear Jesus show us how we can know that He is the Son of God. So I'm excited about that, and we're going to spend several weeks on it. We'll probably do some study during the week on that as well. So look forward to that. Pray about how it might, how it might impact you. But examine the evidence and see this truth that we've been given, this truth that really is a gift from God and allow it to speak into your heart. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for the truth. We're thankful that Jesus spoke the truth, that he was reliable as a source of truth in every way. And so, God, we lift you up and we pray that you will impact us with the truth so that we can follow you, can understand Jesus, and through Jesus, see you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And today we want to give you an opportunity to respond to the good news of the gospel, the truth of the gospel, that Jesus, the Son of God, died on a cross for my sins and your sins and offers us forgiveness and eternal life. And if you're ready to respond to that, we'd love to talk with you about that, the steps of salvation, of faith, and repentance, and being baptized. If you want to make that decision, let us know. Come forward as we stand and sing our invitation. Let's stand together.